Hello, I'm Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this is The Constructor Podcast, episode 19. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Constructor. This podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. On this podcast, we discuss how to help property owners foster trusting relationships within their project teams, understand how to lower risk, be under budget and on schedule in your construction projects, and exceed your end user's desires. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today and listening to Constructor, the best way to build it. Please subscribe at constructor.com. That's constructrr.com. Subscriptions and reviews keep me going. Welcome to this episode of Constructor and happy Valentine's Day. So this month, the month of February has been dedicated to giving you key takeaways from the Lean Construction Congress back in October 2016. If you haven't listened to it yet, listen to the last episode, Millennials, Transformational Change and Entertainment, the LCI Congress General Contractor Takeaways. You can find that episode at constructor.com slash EP18. As a reminder, the theme for the Congress was Building People, Transforming Culture. The first two days of the Congress were training days, and the next two days consisted of keynote speeches and breakout sessions. We were on the floor where people are passing through from session to session, and you will hear people talking in the background on the interviews. This particular episode has interviews with three presenters, Rich Seiler, John Kennedy, and Dick Beyer. These guys are really passionate about the topics they present and enjoy the camaraderie they get from the community. To introduce our first interviewee, Rich Seiler, a Chicago native with 35 years of experience in construction, is a lean coach and consultant at Unified Works, He also happens to be the founder and co-chairman of LCI Chicago. He particularly led the Gamble Walk training efforts, one training that has not existed in the realm of lean construction prior. I started off by asking him if he had some advice for those who are interested in getting started with learning about lean. Well, first of all, I would say it's real important if you are interested in lean that you really must read. So you got to start reading some of the stuff about Toyota Way and um, stuff's related to that because that'll really accelerate your learning. And um, you've got to do things. You've got to never say I'm not quite ready yet to do something. Just start it, learn by doing, um, realize that this is simple but not easy. It's going to take time. Um, people that I talk to that have been at it a year versus people that have been at six years or ten years, the conversation changes because you start to see different things and hear th- things differently as time moves on. So it truly is a journey. It's a never-ending thing. It's just a constant state of learning. So you know, don't expect immediate big wins. It's going to be sort of incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, just stay at it. And, you know, your blinders come off and you start to see, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, wow, look at that. So I guess that would be my bit of wisdom. Do you have a book list, recommended books? You mentioned the Toyota Way. Yeah, the Toyota Way, Toyota Kata, This Is Lean by Nicholas Modig, um, Lean Thinking, Gamble Walks. Um, there are some specific books related to lean and construction that are relatively new out there. This is Lean Construction. Um, 
the goal, uh, the machine that changed the world, uh, just a few. If you miss any of these book suggestions, I've listed them in the show notes for your reference. Can someone get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do or call me? Okay. Would you like to share with two two four three two five nine one three zero? Dial recklessly. Rich and I were on the Congress planning committee together. Are we on camera? We're not on camera. Okay, good. Just microphone. I sound better than I look. Thank you. It was a riot in those planning meetings. This next interview is with John Kennedy from Combat Brain Training. He did a presentation on lean thinking. This training was originally developed by the Marines to reduce casualties in combat and was listed on the you safety You told me track. you did a presentation about lean thinking exactly. just earlier. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about oh, lean thinking. So actually, this is different than the lean thinking that's out there. It's something about how you can think the better processes. This is actually based on a program that the Marines contract me to develop for them to reduce casualties in combat. Yeah, so we okay. apply re lean thinking processes to the brain mm -hmm. using neuroplasticity as the medium to change it. So we devised exercises um, that physically change the brain in as little as 20 minutes. Interesting. Faster and more focused. Okay. And so it's interesting, our keynote this morning was Chris Bussell, from, who was a Navy SEAL. I've trained Navy SEALs. In okay. fact, my program was vetted and approved okay. Okay. for Special Operations Command, mm -hmm. exactly to do that. So in, the, in my session, we talk a little bit about how the brain works, and we actually do one of the exercises, which okay. is a lot of people are laughing and doing it. They notice an improvement very shortly after um, we start that they are a little bit more focused, they're a little bit faster, and they think, you know, they, they have their memories a little bit better. Is there something that you can give the listeners really quick to, as far as a, a quick test of, of how to improve their lean thinking? <laughs> well, it's actually it's a very good question. It's, there's a lot of things we can do. One okay. thing is incorporate as many uh, parts of our brain and our body into our thinking. For example, reading a real book instead of looking at a digital device engages more parts of the brain. So our training does very, very simple exercises that make the brain make decisions, increasingly harder decisions, incorporating all parts of the brain. We start by saying it out loud, and we incorporate our hands, incorporate our feet, and so forth. And it, because it makes you think faster, your situational awareness and focus improve pretty substantially. So I'm actually here as part of the safety track. So I've already talked to companies about having their teams, you know, they do stretching and so forth before they start their job, do some brain training, right? Make mm -hmm. the body better, get the brain sharper, more focused, and the goal would be to reduce accidents. Which awesome. Be pretty deadly in, in construction sites. Absolutely. And, and we want everybody going home. So. Exactly. Safe. Yeah. Plus, it creates teamwork. Yep. Um, and as a group, they'll make better decisions. The cool thing is, it's like if you put a faster processor in your computer, all your applications work better. Mm -hmm. The training helps not just, you know, the job site, mm -hmm. but relationships at home, if they play sports. So I work with professional athletes, and businesses, and kids with learning disabilities. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Our brains can change if we challenge it to change. That is awesome news. Is there a specific location where someone can go online and find yes. out more about this? Good question. So my website is combatbraintraining.com. Combat comes from was because it was developed for the military. And I work with people and teams all over the world via Skype, in person as well as remotely in Skype. So very, very easy to set up some time. They can contact me. My email is john at 
combatbraintraining.com. Be happy to send them some information and they want to make their brains faster and more focused, I can help. That's awesome. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Thanks very much. I ended up going to his training and found it quite fun. He gave everyone in the room a sheet of paper with arrows on it. About 20 or so horizontal lines down the page, 8 or 10 arrows across. The arrows alternated in four colors, and the direction of the arrows changed in the four directions. As a group, we were led to, quote-unquote, read the directions first. And next time around, the colors. We were supposed to read those, and then a combination of the colors and directions. Uh, following that, he upped the ante and added direction, the polar directions, and swapped out colors for fruit names. He alternated the expectations, asking us to increase speed and causing distractions. All I know is I was thinking about bananas going up south and green after this session, and quite honestly, I was invigorated. I imagine doing this exercise at 2.30 in the afternoon to refocus on a day-to-day basis. If it could work for Navy SEALs, pro athletes, and children with learning disabilities to improve their focus and intuition through increased neuroplasticity, surely this would help anyone hoping to improve their performance in their job. I want to lead you now to the last interview you'll hear on this episode with Dick Beyer. He was the first executive director of the Lean Construction Institute, and he did last planner training at the Congress. He's also the president at the Realignment Group. He has consulted on over 100 lean or IPD projects through North America and Europe. He worked with numerous owners, construction and design firms, trade partners on lean strategy. I recommend you take out a pen and pad to take so some notes. When, when was the it. first day that you got involved in lean construction? Tell me a little bit about how it you got started. It was May 15th, 2008. Okay. That's awesome. Yes, I know exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> because we were hired, my partner Dan Fauché, you may have seen him around. I have. I went to his presentation yesterday. And he and I started the realignment group in 2003 or four. We were a partnering company, and we were hired by the California Prison Receivership Project to partner that project. Okay. And we had three or four really successful sessions, and Bill Proctor, who ran that project, said, there's a whole bunch of lean people here, but they don't know how to work with people okay. and collaborate with people. They have principles and stuff, but they don't know much about this. You guys seem to really do a great job with people, so why don't you become our facilitators for the next... 19 months, um, and we were there every four days a week for 19 months after that, and okay. that's where we learned about Lane. We hadn't really heard about Lane, uh-huh. um, but a lot of our principles around how we brought people together and, and built teams and destroyed silos and all the rest of that stuff was really right in line with what they were trying to do. Okay. So at that time when you learned about Lean, yeah. did you learn about the last planner system? Is that something that you were able to implement at that time? Or what did you, what processes did you implement? Yeah. So we, we all uh, sat around and read the Toyota Way. Okay. And then over the years, I've dismissed the Toyota Way as a completely ridiculous book for us to read. Okay, I'm oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I do believe in the Toyota production system, which is different than uh, 
Toyota way. Okay. And because a Toyota engineer stands at the front of a line mm -hmm. and she knows exactly how much it's going to cost to make that car and exactly how long it's going to take because they own all the process and they own all the everything. Agreed. We don't own squat, right? We put together teams. They're always new, almost, with people we've never worked before in remote locations to build a one-off um, where we have little idea actually how much it's going to cost and little idea how long it's going to take, mm -hmm. but we do have a customer. <laughs> so we start with the customer and Toyota ends up with the customer. So what we do is really completely different. And the question is, what can we learn from their production techniques mm -hmm. that help us in the things that we do and what do we have to invent because we're trying to put together teams that we don't own. You actually own. don't any of those events? I know. We're, just, we're having an interview in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you can listen to this one, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be posted online on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> so what aspects have you understood, I mean, thus far, I'm sure there's plenty, that you can take from the TPS, the Toyota Projection System, and now mirror into the construction field? Uh, so there's two things that yep. Taiichi Ono are actually focused on. One was just-in-time delivery. Okay. And um, just-in-time delivery was only used in construction on tight sites, mm -hmm. tight urban sites, but every project benefits from that Okay. because we reduce trade damage, we reduce injuries, we reduce um, having stuff lying around that's not... Waste, Yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and the interface between people and machines. So in Toyota, it's how do you replace people with robotics? Yeah. And in our business, it is, because we're a people business and not a robotic business, mm -hmm. it's really how do, we, how do people interface with other organizations of people. Ah, okay. And so doing that is not an engineering trick. It's actually a social science, anthropology, culture. It's all kinds of things that come into it different than just engineering of a piece of work goes and then another piece of work goes and another mm -hmm. piece of work goes. So it's very much what Chris Fusil was talking about this morning in terms of uh, every trade does a complicated process. Mm -hmm. But uniting all those complicated processes together is complex. So at the heart of our industry is complexity. Yes. And we tend to treat it like it's complicated, try to speed people up. Mm -hmm. But speeding people up is not the point. It's not um, speeding it up. Mm -hmm. It is releasing work in the right sequence mm -hmm. and focusing on the release of work. So we do a lot of work that doesn't release any work. We do lots of reports. We carry, create lots of documents. We do lots of crazy stuff that's, that's not valuable to the project. Mm -hmm. And so the, the goal is doing work that only releases work. And if we do that, then we speed up projects all the time. So what do you think about the theme for this entire Congress, building people, transforming culture? Do you think that's in line with the culture change that you've identified as your second point? Uh, no. No. Actually. <laughs> because... Cliff, I'm, I'm appreciative for your honest answer. Tell, tell me why. Companies have cultures. Yes. Right? And Gilbane's been around since 1895. Turner built the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very difficult to change a company culture. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the cultures of those companies are built for all kinds of different reasons other than just projects. Okay. But every time we start a project, we can create a culture on that project. Mm -hmm. Because culture, I've learned over the years, is are those processes that we think work well enough that we are going to repeat them, we're going to teach them, and they're going to be the fundamental uh, system under which we operate. And when teams come together, they, they very rarely think about 
creating the culture among the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to go out and change the culture of all the companies and all the rest of that stuff. We have an opportunity every time we put a team together to develop a culture. Okay. And that culture requires six values. Well, tell me what those values are. So you have to start with visibility and transparency. Okay. And if people aren't completely visible and they're not completely transparent, nothing else in our business works. Okay. And that's the hardest thing for owners to come to, well, that funny. they should be yeah. visible and transparent about their budget. Yep. And then we can take their budget and we can do great things with it, but we can't do it if, if they're hiding it because they think that we'll spend it all. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's what a budget is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So visibility and transparency yep. leads to collaboration. Okay. If people can't collaborate unless they think everybody's got all the cards on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch Texas, you know, poker matches and people don't collaborate. That's correct. Right? <laughs> They're not meant to. They don't know each other's <laughs> cards. So all the cards have to be up, and that leads to collaboration. Mm-hmm. And collaboration is the single one important thing in building trust. Mm-hmm. And that you feel like, wow, these are really good ideas. I can begin to trust you mm-hmm. with your ideas. Mm-hmm. And we can't, even despite the language action community and the circle of promises and oh, yeah, yeah. commitment and all the rest of that stuff, we can't make commitments unless we trust each other. This is the most difficult industry in which to make a commitment because you are so dependent on everything before you being done, Mm -hmm. before you can make a commitment. Mm -hmm. So you're almost asked to commit to stuff before you. So the strength of the last planner system is getting reliable commitments from people before you. Mm -hmm. And they're only reliable not because of the way they say things. I mean, it is important to articulate them in a fashion that people understand what they mean. But... They're not reliable just because people say them. They're reliable because you've learned to trust them Mm -hmm. because you've collaborated with them on the project. Okay? Yep. Now, from those commitments, the making and keeping of commitments results in achievement. That's how we build projects. We make commitments and we keep them. Mm -hmm. And when when we can't keep them, we notify everybody right away and we recommit given the current situation. So we become adaptable. And we're not efficient. Frederick Winslow, think about it, lean really is the, the last child of Frederick Winslow Taylor in a more efficient process. Okay. And that's really destructive in construction. <laughs> and so lean is a bad moniker for what we do. We, what we really do is collaborative project delivery. I, I prefer and, using <coughs> terminology, integrative, collaborative. That and we're talking about collaboration in the built environment. Yes. And that's what we're looking at from, from life, you know, from the old Ben Casey, life, death, birth, infinity. That's what we're doing. We're, we're collaborating in an environment with people we've never met before. Mm-hmm. And we have to develop relationships with them so that we can actually trust that they'll do things. And our current practice actually discourages us from having relationships with people on projects um, and thinking of it as a team. And yet a team builds projects. Mm-hmm. Companies don't build projects. Teams build projects. And so you got to create that culture on the team. So that leads to achievement. And okay. from achievement, we, get, we gather knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we have to use that knowledge to make those processes better. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about <clears throat> respect for people and continuous improvement, which are ideas that came out of the Toyota way in mm-hmm. some senses, but also are not representative of what Toyota actually does. Um, <laughs> so, so we've taken them, and I think we've given new meaning to them. Okay. And so when we, when we talk about lean, it, it was an easy way of talking about kind of how we're looking to reduce waste and construction, but it really is not manufacturing lean. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, we will fail 
in delivering projects. So Kaizen and Kanban and Konnichiwa and Ohio Gazemish and all the rest of that stuff <laughs> really has very little resonance with people in our business. Yeah. But, I mean, Kanban is just making stuff visible, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not a countdown clock, a tack time about how fast you do your process. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really what Chris Fusil didn't talk about, but that's in the team of teams, where they created a big room where they shared every bit of information. Because the information that they shared connected with people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that allows them the adaptability yeah. to go out and do it. And in fact, in the book, they talk about, we're not after efficiency anymore. We used to be really efficient. We're after effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to be less efficient to be more effective. This is true. We have to share more information. We mm -hmm. have to be more open. Mm -hmm. And we have to try things that don't work so that eventually we can be effective. Mm -hmm. And that's what drives speed, lower cost, better quality, and safety on projects. Well, thanks for giving us that synopsis. That, That's that the buyer excellent. theory. That's the buyer theory. <laughs> yeah, and I've come to it over, you know, for doing this for a long time and understanding how teams come together. Yeah, I mean, you really speak to the, I think, the wisdom that we've learned from kind of testing the, the Toyota Way model and then understanding now these are the steps that we've tried. They're not applicable. Let's weed out the stuff that doesn't work. Let's right. focus on these six things, you know, paramount, adaptability, trust. Those are the things that our owner doesn't really think about all the time. Well, so <laughs> but, but, but it's a good thing to be very aware of because contractually, you have to be able to transition in your mind and say, okay, well, I need to be able to have this commitment between all parties. Right. Well, fundamentally, contracts don't work very well because contracts do not promote or even encourage behavior. Mm -hmm. I agree. And behavior is the end result of values. Mm -hmm. right? So if we believe in these values, then we want people to behave that way. Mm -hmm. If we have an American culture and we have a democracy, which is one of our values, then people have to vote. This is true. Right? And if they don't vote, that's the behavior you're trying to create. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're trying to create a behavior of um, treating people with respect mm -hmm. because we believe in tolerance. Mm -hmm. And when we lose those things, that's not how people behave. As we're seeing, yeah. this is true. <laughs> in front of our eyes. So, creating a, a system that allows you to um, promote certain kinds of behaviors mm -hmm. is really what you're trying to do. Okay. And at the heart of the big room, and people have a really hard time with big room management because they just throw a bunch of people together and hope something happens. And that's like having, you know, your eggs on the counter and a skillet and some butter, and you go go. Make me breakfast. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, somebody has to tend it like a garden. Somebody has to cook it. Uh, somebody has to put those pieces together, and that's really the management of complexity uh, that we're talking about. And um, both in military operations in here, and we haven't learned very much from the military like we could. Mm -hmm. Like no mm -hmm. general. So take a P6 schedule that has 25,000 activities. Goes right down to every little thing that's being done by everybody. Mm -hmm. So what general would ever say to a squad of soldiers, here's how you're going to take out that machine gun nest? We always leave it to the squad to figure it out. This is true. Because they're, they know how to they're do in it. the line of fire. Right. This is what they do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But saying we got to get rid of Al-Qaeda, that's the strategy. So our strategy is to build this facility that actually works. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we back up to that philosophy, how would we build it? Mm -hmm. Well... We, we do so many things wrong because we make all these assumptions that aren't true. Yep, way in the beginning and don't get that buy-in from all people, all the last planners, if you will. Well, but we, we don't even think about the, the system. Like somebody today was, 
you know, this evidence that we have that lean is better is mm-hmm. all about on time, on budget. Mm-hmm. From Dodge ad- good Analytics, yeah. yeah. And so that's not really the point, though, because that's almost the, that's the, that's the price of admission. Mm-hmm. If you can't deliver a project on time, on budget, great quality, and great safety, you shouldn't be doing it, right? So the value of a building is not that it was done on time or on budget or mm-hmm. with great quality. The value is that it, it serves neonatal kids mm-hmm. who have been born at six weeks and we're trying to save their lives. That's what that building does. Mm-hmm. It doesn't represent a, a landmark. We're the only business in the world that celebrates completing a contract. <laughs> you know, nobody celebrates. You, you go to um, Haagen-Dazs, mm-hmm. and they make an ice cream cone, and you pay them money. Nobody celebrates that at the end of that transaction. Right? Because it's just it a actually transaction. happened, right? <laughs> and, and it just happens routinely, and it happens right. And people complain if it doesn't happen right, but they don't celebrate it. They celebrate how wonderful the ice cream is, or how, mm-hmm. much, how good it makes you feel, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what we should be celebrating. So we're concentrating kind of on the wrong thing. That's interesting perspective. I like it because a lot of people, at least I'm finding just in my, my experience here, whatever whatever their goals are, the client's goals, whoever they're ending up touching as a result of their services, those are the things that we need to keep in mind. Right. And that's what's going to drive the entire vision for that construction team. But it hardly ever does. Yeah. Because what happens is an owner will say, well, we need a new building. Mm-hmm. And they may have thought about it, they may not have. They may have probably didn't consider renovating some other building, renting space, all the other options that mm-hmm. you. But if they thoughtfully concentrate on we need a new facility, and they say, here's what the facility needs to do, here's the value proposition behind right. this facility, we would design the building from the inside out to fulfill that mission. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And yet, what they want to see are elevations of what the building's going to look like before they proceed. And that's the last thing we should be looking at. So, I mean, the, some of the data they did report on this morning was about getting involved in the project earlier. Right. And Engagement I think, of teams. Absolutely. So, so I, I think they resources. got that piece right about how that impacts. No, clearly. Absolutely. So I think they're going somewhere with that piece of information. Um, and I think that's something that we can take moving forward. Well, it's hugely important for owners to know yeah. that projects are three times more likely to finish on time and twice as likely to finish on on or under budget, Mm -hmm. the more you engage teams early. Mm -hmm. Co-location, the more you allow the teams to actually work together. So to what purpose? To the purpose of bringing you the value proposition. And knowing that they can complete on time and on budget now frees you up to actually make sure that the building works. Right. It's functional. It's effective for the purposes that you want to get to. I come from a construction litigation background. Yeah. um, Most of the projects that I had in court were projects where stuff didn't fit mm. because they designed the building and then they couldn't fit. Uh, they, they took two inches out of floor-to-floor height so that they could supposedly get to a lower budget, which never actually worked. Right. Um, only to find out that none of the stuff fit. And now they're doing change orders around fitting stuff. And the systems don't work very well because they've cut out systems in value engineering. Right. So if you design the building from the inside out, mm-hmm. if you choose the air handlers and the coolers and everything else in design, mm-hmm. then you know that they actually work and they fit and you don't have a submittal process. So There's so many areas where this seems to be applicable. It and 
Really quick for the listeners here, how can how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach you? Uh, well, I'm at the Realignment Group, so we're projectrealign.com, okay. and I'm Dick at projectrealign.com, and uh, that's how they can get a hold of me. Appreciate it. Thanks right. so much. Thank you. Throughout the rest of the month, I will have more LCI takeaways from owner companies and myself. If you like this episode, definitely check out the last one at constructor.com slash EP18. And don't forget to subscribe at constructor.com. Talk to you guys next week.